Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I want you to take them out and turn uh, to the book of Matthew, chapter number 16. And uh, also we're going to read a passage of Scripture from John, chapter number 11. Amen. Praise God. And we're going to keep uh, Brother Howard uh, Quintanilla in our prayers this week on Tuesday. He's having a surgery, and uh, we're believing that God's going to be with him and give him peace. Anybody agree to that, that we're going to pray for him, and he's going to be in our thoughts, and uh, he's going to come through and be finished with this once and for all in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 16, uh, and uh, we will begin reading at verse number 13. It says, when Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do men say that I am? Verse 14, and they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elias. And others say that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Verse 15, he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father Which is in heaven. In other words, no person told you this. You just heard from God. Verse 18 And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. One thing, this is the first time the word church is mentioned in the Bible. When Jesus, uh, when, when Jesus says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, I want you to pay special attention to. This is our text for today. It says, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shall loose on earth, shall be loosed in heaven. The Lord Jesus was speaking to Peter and to the apostles and by extension to the church that we were given spiritual authority to bind things on earth. And when we did it on earth, he would confirm it by doing it in the supernatural realm. We would speak in the natural And he would confirm in the supernatural. John chapter 11, verse 43. One of the greatest miracles in the life of Jesus was when he rose, raised a man from the dead who had been dead for three days, whose name was Lazarus. John 11, 43. And when he thus had spoken, it's four days. When he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, saying, Lazarus! Come forth. Verse 44. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. 
Jesus did the supernatural part. And he wanted some people that would partner with him and do their part of loosing the man that had been resurrected and letting him go. Now, I'm going to give you my title and then a short explanation. Then you can sit down. My title today is The Biggest Looser. Now, I want to make sure you get this because there is a, uh, uh, a television show, a reality television show called The Biggest Loser, L-O-S-E-R. And I remember the first time that I saw an advertisement for the show, I didn't get it. I didn't know what they were talking about. I thought it was the meanest title I'd ever heard. There's these uh, heavy set people, grimacing look on their face, and the biggest loser. They're calling these people losers, but then I found out that they're talking about the one that loses the, the most weight, right? And so the biggest loser would be the one that lost the most weight. Now, the word loser is L-O-S-E-R. It means one that, that uh, uh, misplaced something or did not win, right? So you're a loser. But if you add another O in there, it becomes a completely different word. It becomes loose, Lose means not to win. Loose means to set free, to take off bands that are on people's hands or to take them out of a prison. And so today we're not talking about the biggest loser. Today we're going to talk about the biggest looser. Amen. Praise God. Lord Jesus, we pray today that you would speak to us over the next few moments. Let the word of God Stir up our spirits, let faith rise, and let people step into their role and into their their great power and opportunity that you've laid before them. Thank you for each person that's here today, and God, we promise to praise your name in Jesus' name. One more time, can we put our hands together and give thanks to the Lord for what he has done for us? Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you, and you may be seated. It was the atrocity of all atrocities less than 100 years ago when people from a wide variety of backgrounds were taken from their homes, separated from their families. Many of them people of wealth, influence, and class. These people, when they were taken from their home, had their basic human rights violated. And they were carted in boxcars like merchandise. They were taken to camps where all of their dignity was stolen from them. They did not even receive the dignity that would be given to an animal. They were these people who once were in positions of wealth, prominence, influence, were beaten with sticks beaten with straps. They were humiliated, stripped naked right in front of everyone. They were starved. They were forced to work like animals. And many of them were exterminated in extermination camps. During this era, in the late 1930s and early 1940s, the atrocity of all atrocities was that there were thousands of camps and subcamps throughout Germany, and also Eastern Europe, Poland, and so forth, where 
this atrocity against humanity happened over and over again to political opponents, to people who were Jewish, to people who were suspected of being homosexual. A variety of different people were brought into these camps, mistreated, and many of them exterminated. When I visited Dachau concentration camp as a uh, teenager on my senior trip, it just made such an impression on me as I passed the sign that said never again and uh, had a visual of many bodies tangled together as they were left in mass graves. But in 1944, after some of these people who survived had been in these camps three, four, five years, day after day of hopeless despair, the Soviet forces, the Allies, were moving through the eastern zone in Poland. And as they were moving quickly, the Germans tried to retract and try to bring everyone out of these camps because nobody knew just how bad it was and how many atrocities against humanity had been performed. But there in June of 1944, Soviet troops rolled into a camp that was basically vacated. There was 7,000 remaining people from that hopeless situation that were liberated that day when the Allied forces, starting with the Soviets and then coming from the western side through Germany, were the U.S. and British forces in the early part of 1945, liberating from both ends these camps like uh, Bergen-Belsen, Dachau, Auschwitz, Buchenwald, and on and on I could go listing the names of these camps. And these people, many of them just human skeletons, living skeletons by the time that their liberators arrived, had given up all hope, many of them, of survival, and had been dehumanized to the point that uh, they would do anything to survive. And these forces came in, and after months and years of hopelessness and filth and abuse, many of them at death's door, they began to hear the rumors. The Allied troops are almost here. The Allied troops are coming. There's been a turn in the war. Rumors going through the camp. And then the moment when the soldiers arrived and all the German troops skedaddled and they came and they began to cut the fences and cut the uh, barbed wire and liberate these people, many of whom had been separated from family and given up all hope of survival. Many of the troops that were a part of this liberation said it was the most impactful event of their life to be a part of seeing these people who had been stolen from their homes and been perpetrated many atrocities upon were liberated and they were able to get their hope back. And they were able to move and try to find if their family was still alive and begin to re-engage with society again. And the long nightmare was over. So in this regard, the Allied forces, the Soviet Union, France, England, Great Britain, I mean, and uh, the United States, and others that had joined in the Allied forces became the greatest losers of those that had been bound in atrocity. They came in to cut the fence. 
they came in to break down whatever it was that kept these people captive and to see that they would be loose that day to go on to living the life that they could live. See, today I haven't come just to talk about things that were perpetrated against mankind by Nazi Germany, but I've come to talk about the character of God. Because there is in the character of God something that comes to the surface and is preeminent. And it has to do with what we were just talking about. God is a looser. His passion and desire is to loose people that are bound. And there's something about the indignity and shame of being bound that God cannot stand. And He is all about loosing those that are bound. Amen. He sent his messenger Moses before Pharaoh with this message. Tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Because God is all about loosing them that are bound. When you read about fasting in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 58, there's a right and a wrong way to fast. Because in Isaiah 58, people were fasting for their own benefit. They were having arguments with people, and so they were fasting, and that they would get the upper hand, that they would win and become victorious. And here they are fasting to try to honor God, but in the meantime, they're mistreating people, and they're allowing people to be oppressed. And so the Bible says, this is the fast that I have chosen in Isaiah 58. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. So you got to get this. This is the will of God. There's my will, and then there's the will of God. And if you want to be used of God, if you're going to fast and pray, you might as well get in sync with what God is all about. He's not about your agenda. He's about his agenda. And his agenda is that every yoke would be broken. The agenda of God. Come on, somebody. Is that people would be set free. This is the fast that God has chosen. This is what he wants to become our passion as well. Because God is all about people being loosed. So in a sense, we can all say that God is the biggest looser. His desire and passion is that people would be set free. I think we've got to get this in our spirit. Sometimes we fast and pray for blessing and favor and all of these things and that we'll get the upper hand, we'll get the job, this and that. What if we started fasting and praying that people would be set free, that the oppressed would be liberated? That those that are bound by sin and bound by bad habits and locked out of heaven would be liberated and brought into fellowship with the Lord. What if that became our passion as well? I happen to believe that if we take care of his business and get passionate about what he's passionate about, he's going to take care of our business. That's what the Bible means when it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about the the bound being liberated. 
It's about people getting entrance into an eternal kingdom. When we become first focused on the kingdom, then all of these things, what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? Where am I going to work? How am I going to be recognized? All of those things are taken care of when we get in sync with what God is about. And what is he about? He's the biggest loser. He sets people free. He wants people to be liberated. He can't stand people in slavery. He can't stand to see people bound up. He can't stand to see people with yokes on. On them. He wants them to be liberated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So loosing the oppressed is God's agenda. And God despises oppression. God despises captivity. And his whole plan for humanity is about loosing. That's why Jesus came in the first place. That's why, uh, that's why Jesus came in the first place was to loose those that were bound up, to set them free. Jesus came back to his hometown in Nazareth. And uh, by this time, he'd had many miracles happen in his ministry. His name and reputation preceded him. But he comes back to his hometown where he grew up and everybody knew him. He goes into the synagogue. And since he was now considered a rabbi or a teacher, they said, Jesus, we've heard about you. Why don't you come up and read the scripture today? Jesus comes up, opens the scroll to the book of Isaiah. And there he begins to read. You can read what he read in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Praise God. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he stopped reading, looked at the crowd, and said, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus was expressing his job description, his marching orders. We're to set at liberty them that were captive. We're to set people free. Jesus came, amen, to seek and to save the lost and to set at liberty them that are captives. See, you've got to get this point. I'm trying to drive home this, that God is the biggest loser. Amen. Hallelujah. He is the one. Jesus is the one whose agenda is to set people who are bound free. John chapter 8. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Amen. Then just a couple verses later, he said, he that the Son hath set free shall be free indeed. He's about loosing people that are bound by habits. Bound by thoughts, bound up by the lies of the enemy, and letting them be set free. That's what Jesus is about. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 11, he was, it was the Sabbath day, and he comes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And in verse 11 it says this, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. It's a long time. And was bowed together. And she was bound up. Her body was bound up to where she could not even lift herself. She was hunkered over at all times. Bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. 
says, and when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, woman, thou art loosed. Thou art loosed from thine infirmity. The Bible goes on to say that then all of a sudden she had been bound, but she stood up straight. After 18 years of being bound, she was loosed. It wasn't just a physical condition that bound her up, but the Bible says that she had been bound by Satan and a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. Check what happens next. The religious leaders in the synagogue became indignant. They became angry. Can you imagine? Somebody comes and gets a miracle, and the church leaders are like, Why are you working miracles on the Sabbath day? And Jesus has a neat way of getting back at him. I love it. I love it. I love it. Verse, uh, verse 15. The Lord answered and said, You hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose your ox or your donkey from the stall and lead him away to watering? It's the Sabbath day, but the animal's still getting thirsty, right? And so you don't keep them tied up because you're not allowed to loose them on the Sabbath day. If they're thirsty and need water, you're going to let them loose out of their stall. So why in the world, verse 16, why in the world would you have a problem with me loosing this woman who is a daughter of Abraham whom Satan hath bound for 18 years? Why can't I on the Sabbath day loose her from this bond? Hallelujah. Because Jesus is the greatest looser. There is nothing that binds you that he cannot loose you from. It doesn't matter how long it's lasted. It doesn't matter how pervasive it's been in your life. It cannot stand against the power of Jesus Christ. Because he is the biggest looser of those that are bound. Somebody praise the King of Kings right now with me. Because there is nothing, nothing that can stop the work of God. God despises oppression and what it does in people's lives. I have a friend who pastors in Whittier, Brother Garcia. Some of you may know him or his wife. Brother Garcia one time told me the story of his testimony. Because he's a pastor, a great man of God. But he wasn't always a pastor. When he was a young man, he was a heroin addict. And anybody that's dealt with heroin or people who have been addicted to heroin know that it is one of the most powerful oppressions has a voice that calls out to people I've heard. And uh, Brother Garcia, as a young man, came into a church up in uh, 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 Santa Maria area. And when he came into the church, he got delivered and got on fire for God. And he was living for God, even serving in the church, working as a youth minister. And after a couple years, or several months, almost two years, he had a relapse. And fell back into heroin addiction. And was back on the street. And back willing to sell anything to get whatever he could find to feed this addiction because he was bound up. And Brother Garcia came back in to the church. He saw the direction his life was going. He came back in. Prayed through again. Was good for a few weeks. 
maybe a couple months, and fell back into relapse again and was discouraged. See, we're talking real stuff here, you know. We're talking real addiction, real captivity. And uh, sometimes we're like, oh, man, when, when God came in, uh, everything was fixed, everything was perfect. But there are times when there are things that still seek to get a hold of you. And Brother Garcia told me, he said, after that second relapse, when I came back in, he would tell the story much better than me. But he said, I told God specifically in prayer and prayed every day. I said, God, I want you to make me feel about heroin the same way that you feel about heroin. I want how you feel about that drug. I want myself to feel that way because obviously I'm not feeling the same way that you're feeling about heroin. And he prayed that every day. And then... It was a few weeks later, he was working on a construction site, sitting up on a stack of, of uh, drywall. And while he was sitting there, one of his coworkers came over with the baggie, tossed it next to him, said, hey, man, what's on? And he said, all of a sudden, he never had this experience before. Rage came up in him. Before he knew what he was doing, he took his hand and slapped it all the way across the room, and it bounced off the wall. He was like, what was that? And he realized all of a sudden that he felt about heroin the same way that God felt about it. Because, because God seen too many of his children bound up. God seen too many of his children's life thrown off track by this addiction and by this captivity. And God hates oppression. And God hates anything that will bind up his children and his people. And I want you to know today that he is the biggest looser. And there is nothing that can get a hold of you that God doesn't have the power and the desire to set you free. Come on, somebody praise him right now. There's deliverance in this place because Jesus is here. And He is the biggest loser. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. He can set you free. He can deliver you. He can break the bonds of wickedness in your life. Whatever stronghold the enemy uses to control you, to put his foot on your neck, and to keep you from operating in the power and authority that God has for you, whether it's alcoholism, whether it's perversion, whether it's a spirit of anger, uncontrolled anger, whether it's drug addiction, depression, or fear, or we could go on and on with all the things that the enemy uses to try to oppress the people of God. I want to tell you today that it cannot stand. Amen. When you put your faith in the greatest looser who can set you free. Yeah, I'm going to say it. You're not even an alcoholic. That's a lie. You're not really depressed. That's a lie. You've been listening to the enemy long enough. But there is one that can set you free. And he is the greatest loser. His name is Jesus Christ. He can set you free from your addiction and from the things that keep your life from being what God desires for it to be. 
Man, I wish I could hand this mic around right now and hear some testimonies from some people that were meth addicts, from some people that were alcoholics, from some people whose lives and marriages and relationships were a mess before that. Come on. From some people that were gang members that went around doing nothing but causing problems. But the, when the biggest loser came into their life, he set them free. Come on. Somebody needs to praise him right now because that's what life church is about. This is not about a bunch of pretty people getting together and singing fancy songs. This is about worshiping the King of Kings who set us free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord promised you abundant life. Life to the full. You can't live life to the full and be a captive. You gotta be set free. And when the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. You're free indeed. Somebody here needs to stop listening to the lies of the enemy. He's convinced you that you are who he wants you to think that you are. And you end up living out that negative self-expression. But I want to tell you today that there is one that can set you free. And you can be free indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. In Ezekiel chapter 13, it lets us know that bondage is the result of listening to the lies of the enemy. In Ezekiel chapter 13, there were false prophets. Everybody say false prophets. False prophets that would trap people with their prophecies. Manipulate and control people with the quote-unquote gifts of the Spirit. What is this? This is witchcraft. False prophets that trapped people with lies, pretending to be a word from God. And in verse number 19, God says to these people, you've profaned me among my people for a few handfuls of barley and scraps of bread by lying to my people who listen to lies. What is it about us as people of God that we can be liberated, set free, delivered, apt to hear the word of God, but we are so quick to listen to lies? Come on now. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You still got an anger problem. You still got a problem with this. And the devil will convince you that God is not for you and that you can't be used of God through all of these lies that he uses. But listen to what it says here. It says, by lying to my people who listen to lies, you have killed those who should not have died and have spared those who should not live. Verse 20, therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm against your magic charms with which you ensnare people like birds, and I will tear them from your arms, and I will set free the people that you ensnare like birds out of a cage. Come on. But notice what got them trapped in the first place. Listening to lies. And the enemy is all about doing whatever he can to get you trapped. And God's all about doing everything he can to get you free. You've got to understand, this is what God is about. He's about loosing you that are captives. And here's the deal. What I've learned is a lot of times the cages are not real physical things. It's more about in your head. 
spiritual warfare happens in your head. And once you get the victory in your mind, the victory is going to play out in your body. The victory is going to play out in your life. But as long as your mind is convinced of the lies that the enemy has been telling you, then you're going to keep living according to the lies. Amen. Praise God. So I am not sick. I'm not broke, busted, and disgusted. But I'm ready to rise up and be everything that God has called me to be. I refuse to listen to the lies of the enemy. Amen. Whatever the Word of God has to say about me, that's what I choose to believe. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. The cycle of bondage is depressing because someone is in a trap. They like can't find their way out. And it has to do with a trap that's been set in their thinking. Deliverance has to come first to the mind. And how do you do that? That's through faith. Through faith, believing the word of God. It's a battle going on in your brain right now because the enemy's trying to convince you that you're stuck. But here's a preacher up here preaching faith that says God can set you free from that anger. God can set you free from that disease. God, come on now. God can set you free from a spirit of infirmity. God, God can set you free from despair and depression. But if you can't believe the word of God, you're trapped. Because that's the only thing that can get you out. Is the power of the word of God and putting your faith in the word of God. Because once you start believing, the enemy, he gets nervous when somebody starts believing. Come on now, you may still have the paraphernalia in your house. You may still have it in your uh, a glove compartment. I don't, I've never seen gloves in them before, but they're called glove compartments. And you may still have the junk in there. Amen. But once you start believing, the enemy gets nervous because he knows I'm losing grip. Because as long as I can convince them that they're trapped and this is who they are and they have no hope or no chance of getting out, then they're trapped. But as soon as somebody begins to believe the word of the Lord and begins to repent and have a change of mind, change of heart, great things, great things can begin to happen. Now back to our text that we read, where Jesus spoke to Peter. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Some say you're this prophet, you're, you're prophet Jeremy. Some say you're the prophet Elisha, come back, one of the prophets. And then he said, but, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And all of a sudden, Peter felt divine inspiration. God dropped a nugget into his spirit. He heard from God. Come on now. He heard from God. And he stepped up and said, I know who you are. You're the Messiah. You're the deliverer we've been waiting for for years. You are the son of the living God. And the Lord said, you're blessed, Peter. Because nobody told you this, but you just heard from God. And I know now that you know how to hear from God because God spoke to you. And then he stopped and said, I say unto you that thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. First mention of church. The uh, um, Greek word ekklesia, which means the called out ones, the ones that are called out of the world. They're not like everybody else. 
They don't have the same agenda as everybody else. They're my church. They've got my agenda. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. I love that verse because sometimes we look at that verse and we think that it means that hell is going to be attacking the church, but it won't be able to defeat the church. But what it really means is that the church is going to attack hell, and hell won't be able to stop the church. And you may think, what are you talking about? Hell fighting against the church. What are you talking about? We're talking about the battlefield of the souls of men that hell has control of. But the church has come up to the gates of hell and saying, by the way, that's mine right over there. Send them out. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of the living God. You know why? Because we are his church and he's building the church and hell can't stop the church from moving forward. And there are people in your community, people in your workplace and people in your family right now that are within the gates of hell. But hell can't stop the church come on someone praise him the hell cannot stop the church he said upon this rock i will build my church michael and i were doing a bible study this week he's like what's it talking about peter's name means pebble or small rock but then that's not the word he used was he building the church on peter is peter the rock that he's building on as you study scripture you realize no that's not What is the rock? The fact that Peter understood and believed who Jesus was. Thou art the Christ. It was the revelation of who Jesus is. That was the foundation of the church. And the church then... And today is still built on the same foundation. And that is the revelation of who Jesus is. Amen. He was more than just a man. Praise God. He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus was more than just a man. Praise God. He was the Son of God, but He was also God manifested in the flesh. And when you know who Jesus is, this is what He's going to build His church upon. Just in case you're wondering, the church wasn't built on Peter, it was built on Jesus. Psalm 118.22, it says, The stone which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner, the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Uh, the stone that the builders rejected. What does that mean? Amen. The, the, the doctors of the law and the Pharisees and the Hebrew leaders rejected Jesus. But God said, I'm using, amen, him as the cornerstone of the church, the head of the corner. Ephesians 2.19. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself. Being the chief cornerstone. It's built on who Jesus is. I'm going to build this church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Knowing who Jesus is. And subsequently following him. Being in covenant with him. Is what makes you part of the church. The church of the living God. Being born into the body of Christ. The new birth experience. Now, here's the next part. He said, I will give to you the keys to the kingdom 
of heaven. And whatsoever you will bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus gave to Peter, and by extension the apostles, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. It's like when you give somebody the keys to the city. It means it represents now they have authority. Now they can allow people in or prohibit people from coming in. They can bind and set free because they have the keys to the kingdom. Are you guys still with me? Just take a couple more minutes here. Got to make this point for you. The keys to the kingdom represented he would be able to provide access to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus wasn't going to be there when the church was born. But Peter and the apostles and the other believers were going to have the authority to the kingdom. They were going to have the keys to open, close, bind, and loose. And Peter exercised this authority on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people gathered and said, What should we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know why he said that? Because he was using the keys that would open up access to the kingdom of God. Amen. And Peter was the one that had the authority to open the doors for 3,000 people that weren't even there when the Holy Ghost was poured out. But 3,000 people were added to the church that day because Peter had the keys. And check it out. Then in in, in Acts chapter 8, it was the Samaritans that Philip had gone and was preaching Jesus. They were being baptized in his name. They were accepting and believing. Miracles were happening, but nobody was receiving the Holy Spirit. So they called Peter. Peter and John, come up here. We need you guys. Peter showed up and preached. And when he showed up, he began to lay hands on people and they began to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. See, you've got to get this point right now because he was opening the door to a whole new group of people. Before that, it was only Jewish people that were in the church. But now he opens the door to a whole new group of people. Then in Acts chapter 10, there was a man named Cornelius who was not a Jew or a half-Jew. That's what a Samaritan is, a half-Jew. He had no Jewish background. He was a Gentile, just like most of us. He was one of those that was afar off. And God orchestrated supernaturally a coming together of Cornelius and guess who? Peter, who was there once again to open the doors of salvation to a whole new group of people that includes most of us. And it was the same process. Repent. Be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the supernatural evidence of speaking in tongues. That's exactly what the Bible says. And Peter was there to open the door to the kingdom of heaven to whosoever will. And guess what? Today the door is still open. And the key is still the same. The process uh, is still the same. Somebody give him praise right now. So Peter... And the apostles and the believers were given authority on the earth. God sent out the disciples and they came back 
after their little missionary trip, and they were like high-fiving each other. They were pumped, man. What were they excited about? They were excited because even the evil spirits were subject to them. Everywhere they went, when the evil spirits would, would flare up, they'd just speak the name of Jesus. And the evil spirits had to submit. And they were excited about that. And Jesus said, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy, I'm giving it to you. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not, but rather... That the, don't, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject unto you, but rejoice because your name is written in heaven. We have spiritual authority. But our spiritual authority is not just to show off. It's about getting people into the kingdom. Praise God. So I'm to the key point in my sermon right now. Here's the key point. And you're like, you're just getting to it. <laughs> Got to lay a foundation. Key point. Spiritual dominion and expansion of the kingdom of God has two loosers. Not just one. There is one looser. Who does the work in heaven. And there is another looser. Who has to do it on earth. The heaven is the supernatural part. That you and I can't accomplish. But the earth. Amen. Is the natural thing. That you and I can do. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says we are laborers together. With God. We're loosing it on earth, and he's loosing it in heaven. We're binding up spirits on the earth with our mouth. And in the spirit realm, he supernaturally is binding up the spirits. 2 Corinthians 6.1, we then as workers together with him. You getting the point here? God bringing revival to Monrovia is dependent on us. Oh, come on, you missed it. You missed it because you're like, well, when God wants to send revival, he'll send revival. He didn't say, I'm going to bind it in heaven, and then if you feel like you can bind it on earth, he said, you bind it on the earth, I'll bind it in heaven. You loose it on the earth. And then I am going to loose it. Just in case you think that it's all about Peter. Understand that it's not just about Peter, but it's about all the apostles and then all the believers. The Bible says these signs shall follow them that believe. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he did the impossible and the supernatural. Then he tells the men there, loose him and let him go, which is the natural and takes a little bit of effort. But Jesus was working together with the men to set this man free from death. And I want to tell you that the same is true today. That when God works in your workplace, there's got to be two loosers at work. God's going to do his part, but you've got to do your part. And in the text that we read, we are the one that takes the initiative. 
Because we are the one who have been given authority on the earth. You ever notice the Lord's Prayer? In the Lord's Prayer, He said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? That means the kingdom of God and God's will is always done in heaven. But it's only done in earth when you and I pray about it. Because we have dominion and authority on the earth. He said, I give you keys to the kingdom. And whatever you do on the earth, I'm backing up in heaven. But you are the one that has to take the... Somebody's got to get this right now. You are the one that has to take initiative. Some of you have been listening to the devil so long that he's convinced you that you have no power, no authority... And you have no value to the kingdom of God that you're just supposed to come to church, pay, pray, and obey. But I'm here to tell you that God's purpose on the earth depends on you realizing that you have the authority to bind it. And to loose it. Jesus was telling Peter, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. That means you can open up the door and let people in. You have the ability to grant people access into the kingdom. You have the authority. And you and I have the same authority. We have to be the ones to loose on earth, doing our part, so that he can loose in heaven the supernatural part. Praise God. And when we become partners with God, and have the same passion that he has, then God's work uh, is going to be done in our life. We've got to learn to act in faith uh, and use our mouth because uh, God's given us the authority to loose. Uh, that, means, that means if you're addicted today, I mean, I'm just a preacher. I'm just a normal dude. And somebody said, I'm just a slob doing my job. <laughs> I'm just trying to make it. i got my struggles. But God's given me and you authority. That if you're addicted, I can speak the word and command whatever it is that has a hold of you to be loosed off of you. The Bible didn't say, these signs shall follow them that preach. It says, these signs shall follow them that believe. If you are, somebody needs to believe here today that God has equipped you and empowered you to be mighty for the kingdom of God. You have the power to open your mouth and speak the word. And when you bind it up, it's bound up in the supernatural realm. Speak it, somebody, right now. Speak it because you have the power to declare it. And you bind it on earth, it'll be bound in heaven. You loose it on earth. Hallelujah. And it will be loosed. In heaven. So I'm telling you right now that the biggest looser in heaven is Jesus Christ. And the biggest looser in your workplace is you. You got to get it. I'm not talking about getting a big head and puffing yourself up. Quit worrying about that. Somebody said, I'm afraid I'm going to get too proud. Don't worry about that. God can take care of that. Amen. The enemy wants you to believe. That because of your mistakes, because of your failures, because of your shortcomings, because of your weaknesses, that God cannot use you. 
we're going to have to wait for an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist to come to town. But let me tell you, let me give you some sad news. The apostle, the evangelist, the prophet ain't going to come to your house and, 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 and hang out with your family or go to your workplace and meet your friends. That's what you're going to do. And, and somewhere along the way, you've got to realize that I have been equipped. I've been authorized. I've been empowered to open my mouth. And when I speak, praise God, when I speak the word, when I bind it on earth, it's bound in heaven. When I loose it, praise God. Those that are bound by alcoholism, those who are bound in self-defeating conduct where the relationships are wrecked, those that are bound up with unforgiveness and hatred, they're bound up. They're bound up. They're all around you, brothers and sisters. You see them. And the question is, is it up to God to set them free? Is it up to God? No. It's up to us to do our part, and then He will confirm the Word with signs following. So if you've got resentment and unforgiveness against somebody that's done you wrong, I'm speaking today and declaring to you that you can be loosed and set free. You can be delivered. I'm speaking it today. And you can leave here completely liberated from that, whether it was something that your father did to you, something that a family member did to you, the way you were treated at a certain point along your life. People don't realize that things happen, and it begins to shape who they are going forward. Because they conduct themselves based on that bondage. But the Lord is going to set you free today. Jesus, who is my example, walked up to the lady and just said, Woman, thou art loosed. And all of a sudden the supernatural miracle happened in her body. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but Jesus is not walking around here today. But there are people who have the spirit of Jesus, who he has said, now you can speak the word, you can declare it, and I'll back it up. I want to remind you today that the devil's number one job on the earth is to get you not to know this and to convince you that it's not true and to convince you that you don't have the power. And convince you that you messed up. Oh, I lost my temper again. I guess i got to wait another six months before I can be used by God again. That's the devil talking to you. That's the devil talking to you. Amen. You may have some issues. All of us got issues somewhere. But somewhere along the way, we've got to realize that God has anointed us and appointed us and give us the power to speak it. And we've got to open our mouth. There are people in the workplace that need you to be the biggest looser in your workplace. Praise God. In Mark 16.30, last verse. And they went forth. It's the last verse of the book of Mark. They went forth. And preached everywhere. Not in the churches. Everywhere. The Lord working with them. God was partnered up with them. But notice the order. They went forth. Preaching. Michael, open your mouth. Start talking. They went forth speaking. The Lord began to work with them. And confirmed the word. 
The confirmation didn't come before the word. The confirmation came after the word. He confirmed the word with signs not proceeding, but signs following. Thank you, Michael. The point of that is that you've got to step out. You've got to open your mouth. You've got to realize, I've got to bind it on earth if he's going to bind it in heaven. I've got to loose it on earth if he's going to loose it in heaven. If somebody here today would get the revelation that I may have frailties and weaknesses, and I may not know that much about the Bible, but I've got the authority to bind it and loose it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand together right now. So I want to tell you right now that God is looking for the biggest looser in your family. Monrovia is waiting for the biggest looser. Those in your family that are bound. Those in your family that are oppressed by Satan and his wiles are waiting for you to be the biggest looser. Oh, my God, I wish I could get this out of my heart and into your head. Because if you would get it right now, you'd be climbing the walls. It's, it's humbling. But it is so powerful to know that you don't have to call your pastor. That you don't have to ask for some, somebody that knows all these scriptures in the Bible. But that you have the authority through the Holy Ghost to speak the word. Amen. To use your faith and to let somebody know you can be born again. You can be saved. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost. You don't have to be depressed anymore. God can set you free from your depression. And when you go forth speaking the word, he will work with you and confirm the word with signs following. So what is it? What is it? What is it that has got you convinced that God's going to have to use somebody else? Because that somebody else isn't in your workplace. And that somebody else isn't in your family. And that some, come on now, that somebody else is not coming. It's you. If you bind it on earth, He will bind it in heaven. And if you loose it on earth, He will loose it in heaven. Last week our life group session was about open your mouth. Because you don't know who's bound, who's on their way to hell, who's lost. All they need is an exposure to the power of God, the presence of God. All they need is to hear. All they need is somebody to drag them out to the house of the Lord and them to experience the presence of God and the power of God. And something could trigger in their spirit. But none of that's happening until you open your mouth. Oh, I'm going to let God work on him. I'm going to let God work on him. Well, that's part of it. You pray. You commit to prayer. Prayer makes a difference. Prayer changes things. Right. You said, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done in their life. But also understand that you have the authority to bind up the enemy in their life. And to loose it in their life. Somewhere along the way, somebody in this house is going to get it and going to have a one person revival that's going to blow the minds of everybody in
We're always waiting on something, right? Well, the next speaker comes to town. The next big preacher comes to town. The next big thing happens. God, you're going to do this and that, whatever. But God's wanting us to speak. Be courageous. Bind it on earth. I bind up fear. Amen. I bind up oppression. I bind up despair. I bind up the lies of the enemy that have been working in your mind long enough. And I speak freedom. I loose anointing into your life. I loose blessing and power into your life. Somebody's getting it. Amen. Hallelujah. pray together before we leave here. We're getting ready to leave here in just a few moments. But I wonder if there's anybody here that somehow along the way you got what I was saying, even though I was feeble in my delivery. You got what I was saying. That if it's going to happen, I've got to recognize that I've been given the authority to use my voice to speak. Amen. And to declare it. And when I declare it down here, start doing his work up there. Well, it's just a contact card. It's just an invitation to church. Well, it's just coming to a prayer meeting and travailing on Saturday night for those that are lost. It's just, but you know what? It's what you do. And you're taking that initiative. You're taking that step. You're taking that step. And then God's going to work with you and confirm because the earth He has given to us, it's our domain. But He is going to back it up in heaven when we operate on the earth. Praise the Lord. Is there anybody that believes what I'm saying and you're feeling what I'm feeling and you're believing? Praise God. God, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm tired of being fearful. I'm tired of being intimidated. I'm tired of letting my failures and shortcomings and weaknesses and the devil reminded me of them over and over and over again to keep me from stepping out in faith. If there's anybody that believes, come join with me right now. Come on in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. There's deliverance in this place. Deliverance from fear. Deliverance from addiction. Amen. Deliverance from emptiness, hopelessness. Hallelujah. Giving you the power to open your mouth because the enemy, Satan, is a liar. Amen. Doesn't matter what you think, whether you think you've made too many mistakes or you're insufficient, but God's going to use you in a powerful way. Hallelujah. I want you to lift up your hands right now and believe with me right now that God is going to change your mind, that you're going to begin to believe that He's going to use you. This week as you go to your life group, you're going to write down the names of people in your circle of influence, people that you know at work, people that are your friends, people that are your family members that need Jesus. As you begin to write these names down, I want you to understand that this is my dominion. This is my authority. This is not somebody else's responsibility. But I can lose these people. I can lose them on the earth. And then God's going to be the biggest looser in heaven if I will take my responsibility to lose them on the earth. Come on, somebody praise Him right now.
or just tell them I've been depressed. I want to be set free from depression. Just tell them what it is that you want to be delivered from. Amen. And then they're going to speak over you and command you to be loosed. They're going to say, you are loosed from this habit in Jesus' name. All right? Or they're going to say, you are loosed from this pain. Be loosed in the name of Jesus. And speak it in faith. Believing that what you speak on earth will be accomplished in the supernatural. And I want you to believe and I want you to receive it right now. So I'm going to let them play their little song here for a minute. And I want you to turn to somebody and say, can I pray with you? Can I speak over your life? Can I speak deliverance into your life? Come on, do it right now. You've got to get over that fear. You've got to get over that fear. Find somebody right now. You got the power to speak it. In Jesus' name. Be loose. If somebody's got fear and torment, you may need to bind it up. You may need to bind up that fear. Bind up that depression. Cause them to be loosed from it in Jesus' name. Speak those words right now. Hallelujah. I bind up fear. It shall be done. We bind up depression. It shall be done. We bind up disease and command them to be loose from it. It shall be done. Let them be released from fear right now. It shall be done. It shall be done. It shall be done. It shall be done.
household over issues that your spouse is dealing with. You have the power to speak on their behalf. Your children, your household, declare it. Speak in faith. Calling those things which be not as though they are. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. We're His body. We're here now. It's going to happen. we got to open our mouth and speak and let God use us. Praise the Lord. Amen. They're going to continue to play for a moment. I want to say thank you for being here with us today. And also, if you're a guest with us, we'd love to meet you out there in the foyer and just say hello. And there are two sign-ups that are happening in the foyer as well. The first is to be involved with the Easter event, both Saturday and Sunday. We need people to sign up. The second is we have a sign-up for our uh, single-lesson Bible study training this Saturday, 7 o'clock. You can sign up out in the foyer with Brother Donnie to be a part of that. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you Tuesday. Make it out to your life group this week. Let's get serious about doing what God's called us to do. There is no plan B. We're in. Amen. Praise God. The church is God's plan.